0: But back to the story Enki who like Enlil was a reptilian and serpent like in nature and appearance was a human with reptilian features and had more compassion for humans and did not agree with Enlil's method and ways. Enki was also an intermediary between Enlil and mankind so he had more interaction with mankind as well as he was our creator. So one day he went to the garden where Eve was and taught Eve to make a tool that in Sumerian is called a niece. It is a dual nature tool made from the wood of a tree. This tool served two purposes to help tend to the garden and to help defend herself shut Enlil act upon his extreme ways in the future this niece got wrongly translated to apple although the bible never says apple the misinterpretation of the word didn't help the oral narrative throughout history because of his appearance with him being a reptilian in original form enki is called the serpent in the tree of life that provides knowledge of good and evil because he provided the knowledge of making this dual nature tool made from the wood of a tree thus the term the tree of knowledge or the tree of good and evil because Enki was also the god of wisdom but also because this tool was made from wood which came from a tree of course in the Garden of Eden and because of this tool's duality in the sense that it could be used for good and or evil the tree became coined as the tree of good and evil and the tree of knowledge. Remember in my prior series Azazel was the chief of the fallen angels who taught mankind the knowledge of weapons but here we are with Enki teaching mankind how to create a niece, which could be used as a weapon. So we're getting closer to the full scope of the whole story of Azazel and the fallen angels. But here's the plot twist people have a harder time swallowing. Enki, while he is the serpent in the tree, Enki is also the same deity who intervened to save and help Noah survive the flood. Abrahamic religious texts tell us that God aided Noah in surviving the flood and Enki is the serpent in the garden and the devil. What happened? In these ancient creation and flood stories, Noah isn't called Noah of course that's his english translated name there is the sumerian version of the story of the flood surviving hero Ziasudra, who is actually on the sumerian king's list as the last king prior to the flood slash ice age then there is the akkadian flood surviving hero named atrahasis and then of course there's noah we all know who he is while each story has slight differences they all tell the same story and of course noah's story tells the least detail because that's just how the bible is and you will know why they edited it that way momentarily When Enki recreated mankind to be more independent, able to reproduce and be more than just servants, Enlo was not happy of course and this created a division between these two archaic supreme extraterrestrials aka angels. There was an innumerable amount of these beings though. These angels, these extraterrestrials, the Anunnaki, this decision of Enki's created a rift between them, dividing them into those who stood behind Enlo and those who sided with Enki of whom would go down in history as the fallen angels. Ultimately millions of years pass and Enloe has had enough of mankind's actions. You have to remember that these are heavenly beings and how time in outer space is different from time on earth and these beings were in theory immortal and not from our planet. A day on Venus alone is 5,832 earthly hours. We have no idea how long a day was on the planet that these beings originated on. For all we know they were from a place where one day equaled one. Thousand of our years. In the story of Atrahasis, it says Enlil was angered because mankind was making too much noise and disturbing his sleep. Remember, Atrahasis and Noah are the same people. But here, when it says sleep, it's not a literal sleep, but figuratively, Enlil was angered by mankind and their transgressions against him. They weren't following the way of life and rules he set for him, and it was disturbing him. They were worshipping other gods, aka other angels, aka other extraterrestrials, who were less than Enlil, but these these gods probably catered more to mankind than Enlil did. Mankind was also now so enlightened and with the aid of Enki and others, they now knew the forbidden knowledge of the heavens and with the knowledge of heavenly architecture, technology, sciences and so on, they were able to perform what we now call magic, miracles or sorcery which is interchangeable with cymatics, alchemy and science altogether. But with this, mankind was able to manipulate the world around them and within them as need be and technically didn't need Enlil's Help. Alongside this Enlil is not happy with just how many humans there are now that they could reproduce on their own. Enlil did not like this overpopulation. So first he sent plagues famines and droughts in intervals of every 1200 years to slowly wipe humanity out. And he turns around and shares with Atrahasis, why Enlil is upset and causing all this chaos and shares Enlil's plan to ultimately wipe mankind out. So Atrahasis in turn asks the population of the world to abandon the worship of all gods except the one God which is the one responsible for all hell breaking loose which is Enlil. However this causes mankind resentment and anger and they proceed to rebel even more. I do want to point out that at this time the deities or gods they were worshiping were alive. They are present in a physical form and they are very accessible as they are living amongst mankind. These gods are also catering to whoever worships them. They are not considered dead gods or dead idols yet. That is what they are are called after the flood because in the time following the flood they are under contract not to ever interact with mankind the same as they did before and if you are following the religious narrative they are actually imprisoned as a punishment for going against Yahweh who is in Lil here. So Enki keeps halting Enlil from causing the extension of all of mankind. Enki basically keeps intervening and buying us time telling Enlil he can get mankind to change while having Atrahasis speak to the masses to sway mankind from their rebellious ways. So Enki holds Enlil's plan four times and has Atrahasis go before the masses to sway them from their ways four times but to no avail. After the fourth time Enlil is done spearing mankind. He's out of all chances to give so he gathers a council of deities and binds them by promise not to tell mankind his plans of total annihilation this time. Well Enki tells King Atrahasis just not directly. He tells Atrahasis via a reed wall by loudly literally talking to the wall in Atrahasis's dream. In this dream he tells Atrahasis to wait outside his bedroom at his temple and he would reveal the troubled consequences that were planned. Peering out his window Enki sees Atrahasis arriving and waiting outside on the other side of the wall and he loudly and sternly began giving instructions saying reed wall pay attention to all the words I say. So Atrahasis puts his ear against the reed wall asking Lord Enki what is the meaning of the dream? How will I overcome the consequences planned? Of which Enki continues on saying, Read wall, I have been forbidden by oath to speak to a living soul and will continue to speak to you while I'm in my bedroom. Read wall, you need to listen and pay attention to all my words and take note. Flee your house and dismantle it to build a sealed boat of considerable size. You need to forego all worldly possessions and flee for your life. The boat that you build needs to be roofed and the roof sealed to not let any, a single bit of light from the sun the boat also needs to be strong and sturdy covered in bitumen tar to seal it from water coming in from all directions i will shower on the boat at a later date stalks of birds and fish if you're wondering bitumen tar is a very thick sticky black liquid found in the residue of oil sands and pitch lakes that is similar to asphalt and is typically used for its waterproofing and adhesive properties this is why enki is the god of mischief and trickery amongst other things Enki addressing the reed wall and not a quote unquote living soul was Enki's way of keeping his oath to Enlil while still helping Atrahasis. He instructs Atrahasis to boat a big boat in order to rescue his family and other living creatures from the coming deluge. Atrahasis goes and gathers the elders of Sharapak, which is in modern day Telfera, Iraq, but was also a part of Sumeria in ancient times. Its name in Sumerian actually means healing place. So Atrahasis tells these elders, my god Enki does not agree with your god Enlil. The two of them are constantly bickering and angry with each other. Since I've always supported Enki I've now been told by Enlil to leave his city and move down to the Abzu and live in Enki's land and never set foot in Enlil's lands again. I need help to build a boat to take me there. So here is Atrahasis being clever like Enki. As Enki is called the god of the Abzu a lot of times people determine that the Abzu is the areas south of the earth which would be in this case like in South Africa. So when he says he has been told to go live in Enki's land he's referring to Africa. So the elders listened to what atrahasis said and called together carpenters and various other workers to assist in building their king's boat. So they assist in building their king's boat on the edge of the Euphrates River Bank. Rich men provided equipment and workers for Atrahasis, while poor men provided their labor and carried the equipment. When the boat was sealed and completed pure animals were brought to it. By pure they are referring to animals not cross with any of the fallen slash Anunnaki. Because if you recall from my Children of the Anunnaki video, Enoch tells of how the fallen angels had offspring and had sex and reproduced with women and all animals of the land and fish of the sea and insects. And they were able to do this because while they had an original form, they were also shape-shifters. So here animals were brought to atrahasis's art. Some were slaughtered and prepared for food while the rest of the cattle, sheep, and birds were stored on board for the upcoming flood that only Atrahasis at this time knows about. After completing the Ark, King Atrahasis throws a huge feast for the city of Sharapak to celebrate. There's food and drinks and Atrahasis started pacing back and forth between the Ark and the feast out of guilt of what he'd done by manipulating the people and lying to them, using them, knowing what fate they'd be facing shortly. All of this anxiety and stress caused him to vomit. When the weather began changing, Atrahasis gathered up his family and brought them on board with the livestock and began cutting the ropes that held the boat to the land so once they are all on board he closes the main door and with buckets of pitch he sealed the boat from inside by buckets of pitch it is referring to the substance called bitumen tar that i defined earlier pitch is another term meaning a black or dark viscous substance obtained as a residue in the distillation of organic materials and especially tars also remember again this is the akkadian version of noah's flood that predates the genesis version and the akkadians were also in Mesopotamia just like Sumeria was. King Atrahasis is Noah. Genesis 6 14 says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shall thou make in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Same story. By pitch, he basically just means seal the door from inside and out. And that's what Atrahasis just did. So the flood begins and the gods go to a safe space and are able to hear the noise of it all from there. It is unclear as to whether the safe space was in caves or in the skies or boat but the flood rushed over the people of the earth and the sun was blacked out by the storms while the wind screamed like an eagle. Imagine how scary that is. The earth goes completely dark and every type of natural disaster starts unfolding at extreme levels all at the same time. It says in the complete darkness of the storm and in the onslaught of water nobody could even recognize each other and the dead bodies of men women and children floated in the water. While watching this Anki was extremely upset and beside himself to see the death of these people who he loved despite and low seeing them as flawed but to enki we were his babies his creations there was a deeper connection for him when it came to mankind he turns to his sister nilo who helped him create mankind and says birth goddess creator of mankind and his destiny you have assisted with this destruction of all people nilo was scared and upset and was crying out of agony longing for the storm to end and she said let the day grow dark and let it turn to gloom how did Enlil convince me to agree with him and the other gods to help with this annihilation was Enlil so strong that he forced me to agree to this did he make my speech confused no it is of my own doing my children that I created are dead because of me and I made no effort to save them as they wash up upon the shores like dead dragonflies due to this and my choice to remain silent I now have to live in grief regretting this for the rest of my days shall I go and live with anew in heaven and a house that has every Thing I need? Where has Anu gone? The chief decision maker of his son that heeded his every command. Inadvertently, by giving them this control, he brought the flood on himself. It is funny that Enlil blames Anu, but Anu and Enlil are typically on the same page, so he most likely knew of Enlil's plan and stood behind him in whatever he decided because he gave Enlil domain over the planet Earth. The same way it came to give his son domain over a territory and not publicly criticize his way of ruling, but respect that he isn't man of his own doing as he sees it. it goes on and says that Nilo and the other Anuna gods waited for seven days and seven nights to be over with and waited in great hunger and thirst and on the seventh day the earth was silent and the sun came out when Atrahasis hears this silence he removes some of the pitch and opens a small window located on the top of his sealed boat letting the sunlight shine in he then takes a raven and releases it and never returns slowly the occupants of the boat felt the waters receding and the boat stopped moving, settling on firm land amongst the mountaintops. Afterwards, King Atrahasis dropped the main door of his ark and released the animals. Being thankful for his lord Enki's help, Atrahasis has one of the cattle slaughtered and prepared a burnt offering to Enki. The smell of the cooked meat filled the air and, and all the gods smelled it and were drawn to it because remember, they had been starving for seven days. If you go to my Children of the Anunnaki video, I tell of how the Children of the Anunnaki were always starved but uncontrolled Controllably starved and would eat on literally everything including humans and that's where the origin of human and animal sacrifice into the gods originating from. The Anunnaki themselves were a bit more dignified about their starving. They didn't go munching no, on any and everything and if you watch that video you'll see more accurate depictions of the angels. So imagine how their children with all the animals and all living creatures of the earth would look when they interbred and then in turn these offspring would interbreed with each other and mankind and create more variations. This is where the creatures of mythology such as fauns, fairies, sphinxes, minotaurs, senators, dinosaurs, pygmies, giants, ogres, cyclops, the kraken and so on really come from and they weren't mythology back then they were real. Some of these deities had powers and others had insane scrimp and not only that, while mankind according to Enoch stood on average 90 feet tall, these offspring were even larger and they could make life hard, destroy whole civilizations and eat people when angered so it's best to keep them happy and sacrifice one person or animal instead of everybody being slaughtered this is also why traces of people living in caves have been found all across the world if you are fleeing from a large predator you would dwell in a skip where they cannot easily fit and in what is not so easily destroyed by them which would be inside the earth as the offspring of the Anunnaki were not able to change their form as their purebred forefathers could and Enoch notes that every generation Generation of offspring were less in power but more sinful in their nature of aggression towards mankind and against Yahweh, who is in love. Not that they all were this way, but the greater majority of them were and they warred with mankind and each other. This also explains why so many indigenous peoples claim that their origins are in the hollows of the earth from inside the earth. As said in my prior video, though, all of these offspring were not wiped out in the flood, some survived, and that's evident in the Bible because Goliath was a giant and the 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 clans of Cam were giants, as every time the Bible mentions giants after the flood, they are from Comedic tribes. Which derived from Cam, the middle child of Noah. And also that's why there's still sightings of things like skin crawlers or werewolves and Yetis and Bigfoot. And Yasher, one of Cam's descendants named Ada, actually runs into a clan of these half human, half animal beings. So these gods smell this offering and they eat their share. And then Lil gets up and addresses the other Anunnaki gods, blaming them for the catastrophe seeing whatever came over us to agree to in plan of devastation and to the destruction of mankind. What kind of decision maker, instead of sorting out a problem, chooses to rather resolve it by annihilation? The happy faces of our children are now gone forever because this flood destroyed mankind and the Anunnaki's children with mankind and the beasts of the land. It's also funny how these gods were in smelling range of this burnt offering. Does this mean that they were on top of the same mountain the Ark landed on? In my finding the Garden of Eden video, I explain why the Himalayas is the accurate mountain of which the Ark landed on given the evidence. The Himalayas has a lot of mystery surrounding it. Things are kept very private as far as the civilizations built amongst and atop it especially in places like Tibet which has way too much mystery for one video. But explorer and general Admiral Byrd who wrote of finding a hollow earth entrance in the middle of a surprisingly lavishly green portion of Antarctica noted that the being that was in charge that he spoke to in the hollow earth told him that there were many caves and entrances that led to the hollow earth and it also mentioned holes in Tibet that led to it and also the hollow earth is a bottomless pit which translates to hell in the Bible its entrance would be at Mount Maru of which we spoke of earlier and the other main entrance or exit would be in Antarctica which was actually exposed as being as having holes in it a few years ago and once being a jungle like environment and also when I mentioned in part one that the oriental phenotype is evidence of someone interbreeding with reptilians once you realize that Noah's Ark landed in the Himalayas and you think about how west of the himalayas you have what we call arab tribes but on the east side of the himalayas you have this oriental phenotype that is stronger than the black gene i mean all these people have this phenotype no matter who they interbreed with it doesn't matter it doesn't disappear through the generations and i've broken down to you the origins of china which covers the vast majority of the tropical region of eastern asia where this phenotype exists predominantly cam's canaanite lineage settled these lands through his great-grandsons shin and Qi who are the progenitors of the Sino-Ketan Empire. Joktan, the son of Eber, went east while the whole Babel situation was going on and him and his large clans are the first settlers after the flood in those areas. But Joktan's mother was Princess Azarad, the daughter of Cam, who definitely was not all human genetically. So Enki goes down to the water's edge and sees the bodies of his people washed up on the shores and he weeps. Ninlil joins him and turns to the other gods saying, Enki's pain is also mine and from now on my destiny is as his and I will wear a dragonfly pendant around my neck forever to remind me of this. Here comes the origins of the divine feminine and balance with the divine masculine. Because remember, Enki is the deity of virility which is masculinity. It was then that Enlo and Anu arrived and of course Enlo spots Atrahesus and his boat and he becomes very furious. Enki tries to basically explain to him that it wouldn't have been fair to punish somebody innocent who wasn't disobeying him at all like the rest of mankind was. But of course Enlil doesn't care because Enlil isn't hearing that he said what he said. But he then decides to read the room when he decides to back down once he saw that Enki was more furious than he was. And he sensed the other gods would back Enki and go against him because he didn't know if they previously had discussions and made pacts on standing by Enki before he and news arrival. So Enlil says, okay Enki, let's see if the Birth goddess, our sister Ninlo agrees with you. I'm happy for the two of you to discuss the issue, and I'll go along with whatever Ninlo decides. He probably figured he had this in his pocket because remember, Enlo and Ninlo had a slew of children, and these were the Ajiji who were carving out the earth. So he probably thinks she's going to side with him. But Enki turns to Ninlo and tells her, Ninlo, you are the birth goddess, the creator of destinies of the people and of all the gods. Whatever you now say will be made so. I feel we should make a bond between heaven and earth and also make Enlil swear to behold it as he made us swear to his oath. It is here where Enlil swears an oath to withhold his bond between heaven and earth and never again harm the people of the land as he did before via a flood. He also included that the Anunnaki and lesser gods will never again be allowed to cohabit and breed with the children of the human because of course to Enlil mankind was a bunch of animals. So seeing his peers procreate with us lesser beings as creators probably deeply disgusted him more than anything but in the hebrew bible in genesis 9 verses 11 through 17 it does mention the promise of god to mankind never to cause a flood to wipe us out again and the deal was sealed with a rainbow shooting across the sky so yeah then then added that the terrible story of the great flood and the survival of the human race shall be written down to be remembered forever and enthusiastically praised in song and verse for all to hear and of course other measures were put into effect to ensure that humanity doesn't become too populous nor enlightened to the point of causing that much independence and transgression against Enlil again. The flood alone caused a large percentage of earth's land to sink beneath the ocean and shift location and from the bible we learned that mankind's lifespan becomes limited. We no longer live for tens of thousands of years. Generation by generation after the flood mankind's lifespan got shorter because if you live 10,000 plus years and the planet you reside on is majority land then you literally have the space and the opportunity to have 51 children in a lifetime and this is an era of pure polygamy culture so you do the math Of course, other weights and measures were put into effect to prevent mankind the descendants of Noah from ever becoming as they were prior to the flood. So with this, religion and everything mankind is and does is orchestrated to cater to Enlil in all aspects of religion, culture, and spirituality. Enlil is put it as the protagonist, the almighty, all-powerful, and most revered because he is more harsh and the more crude deity and the more extreme deity and also the chief of all other deities who is willing and very capable of wiping out all of mankind and making us feel his wrath. That is Enlil's signature MO, anger and wrath after transgressions. Meanwhile Enki is considered the traitor, the snake in the garden, the devil, but it is also more plausible that the supreme title of God is used unanimously throughout the Bible while being very much an interchangeable term for the actions of the different parties within this triad of Anu Enlil and Enki. The symbol for Enki is a fish or a a goat and still the symbol for Yeshua is still a fish and goes for sacrifice in the name of God in the Bible With the son of the Trinity being Enki it is likely he or a replica of his DNA was probably artificially inseminated in an ancient alien fashion into Mary to be born again to once again intercede on behalf of mankind as the Bible does say Mary had not had intercourse with Joseph yet although she was not a virgin as she was said to be a mother prior to Yeshua's birth but in other texts it says that Mary was actually only 12 years old and she was actually a host in Joseph's home and the other kids actually came from Joseph and another woman in a prior marriage. So, but the Bible does say that Mary was carrying the son of God and what was Yeshua for mankind? He was an intermediary, the one who sacrificed himself on our behalf, a savior. Do these personality traits ring a bell? Anki, he's both the serpent in the garden and the savior who died on the cross for our sins. That's yin and yang right there in your face. in all things, right? This is why I say that God in the Bible refers to different parties at different times. Sometimes it's Anu's actions, sometimes it's Enlil's actions, and sometimes it's Anki's actions. But the Bible uses the word God no matter who it is in the so-called Holy Trinity that is taking any particular action because they are to be viewed as one. That makes it more palatable for us as mankind because you remember what happened last time when people knew about the different personality and characteristics of these three different deities of Anki and and Enlil. They transgressed and they got even more angry and more resentful towards Enlil when they learned what he was doing. So to make it more palatable and digestible and nice for mankind in the future so they don't do what they did before they are considered all one. If you look at the Bible to me it seems like outside of mankind's creation and the serpent and the tree story the Old Testament is more so the actions of Enlil a very firm resolute and strict God. I mean people were getting turned to salt, struck dead by lightning. More deaths in the Old Testament was done by God than the act quote-unquote devil and he was instructing the heroes of the old testament to go into battle and kill and actually commit genocide and so forth in the old testament everyone fears god respectfully because of his anger and his wrath that's in Lil's mo the actions he took against those who would transgress him would at times honestly be disproportionate very harsh and very unjust like yeah they were bad, but dang you're gonna curse their entire line of unborn descendants for 400 years in leviticus it was law like It was lawful priests to burn their daughters alive if she became a prostitute. Exodus 20 states that God is a jealous God and thou shalt have no other gods before Him. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. This sounds like in love before the flood. Remember, He was about to wipe us out because we were serving other deities. And this verse also tells us that there are other beings in the heavens above, on earth, and below. It's right in our face but we read over that. In Deuteronomy 21 it says that disobedient children should get taken before elders by their parents and then the whole city should join in stoning the child to death. Very extreme. In 2 Samuel 21 when King David opted to take a census of the men of fighting age, the prophet Gad was sent to David to announce God's displeasure with the census and the punishment God afflicted was a pestilence on Israel from morning to the time appointed, and there in Beersheba died 70,000 men. These men got killed because of something that David was doing. They were just following orders. So they were innocent of in all this, yet they got annihilated because God didn't like what David was doing. And this pestilence thing that sounds like went in a little before Noah's flood was sending famine and pestilence in intervals of 1,200 years to wipe mankind out. Do you see the parallels there? And again, when God told Israel to take their land back from the Canaanites by basically following through with genocide in his name, Name, instructing the Israelites to kill every man, woman, and child and everything that has breath. Annihilate them. 31 city states were destroyed in the siege. They even killed farm animals. The animals, y'all, the animals. These are people though. That's like how people call the United States of America a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but there's more of a majority of us that reside here that are nothing like the world stereotypes of our country to be just based off the media and the government. The negative always outshines the positive, and these people are suffering for something their forefathers did. But this is not a merciful and loving God performing these actions. And people are often conflicted at this erratic multiple personality nature of God because they don't understand the real breakdown of the holy trinity of Anu, Enlil, and Enki, who actually have very different characteristics. But no matter who in this trinity is doing what at different times in the Bible, it is referred to as God. Just God, not Enlil did XYZ, not Enki did XYZ, not Anu did XYZ, etc., etc. And of course, we know why but if you know about the story of Anu and Lil and Enki you could probably tell who's doing what because they do have different characteristics and things that they would do and things that the other one would not do and again in the Old Testament it talks about how to be a good servant to your heavenly and earthly masters. Right after the Ten Commandments portion of Exodus comes Exodus 21 where it lays out basically how a good master should master and how a good servant should serve it does not denounce the institution of slavery at all more so creates a guideline. and Lil Was all for mankind being servants, so of course, he's all for there being a hierarchy of masters underneath him to regulate mankind, kind of like owners have managers and supervisors. Think of how oppressors gave the oppressed religion to keep control over them, as to condition them into acceptance of their condition of enslavement so they would not rebel. It's only ironic because Sumerian texts actually translate Yahweh and Enlil into being the great administrator, which translates into the great Satan, which we now called Satan. So here Yahweh equates to Satan. Also Elil had a certain system by which he said for mankind to live by and expected that to be followed and could be very much of an extremist when it came to disobedience of these guidelines. What is religion defined as a particular system of faith and worship? Okay does that not parallel?
1: Pay attention to how God in the Old Testament displays his wrath. Enlil is the deity of weather, so things like lightning strikes, droughts, lightning striking bushes causing them to burn, and floods, are all within the range of Enlil's abilities. He is also a deity over earth, so causing pestilences is another capability as we are also told Enlil has done this a few times prior to the flood. In case you were wondering, a pestilence is a fatal epidemic such as plagues, contagious diseases, pandemics, infections, and so on such as the bubonic plague, Black Death. c 19. Look at the ten plagues of Egypt during the story of Moses, all of the punishments of God in the Old Testament fall under the umbrella of Enlil's abilities and domain. And also, remember, we were originally created to take care of the earth so the lesser gods would not have to. This is another reason Enlil is a supporter of hard labor, servitude, and enslavement. Because the enslaved are forced to cultivate the earth. These gods never left by the way, mankind just gave them unrecognizable new names and their stories got distorted and manipulated through time on purpose as a part of the weights and measures Enlil made after the flood. I also cannot imagine and Lil is too happy about global warming and everything else going on on Earth. Imagine leaving a planet in the hands of mankind, only for mankind to turn around to ignorantly destroy themselves and the planet as time progresses. Pay attention. There's a lot going on here, there are certain selected individuals and cultures of people that still directly interact with these deities and carry out their works for them, in religion they are called prophets, in today's time we call the the chosen ones, the elite, the government, and so on. Whoever is going to be most effective at carrying out these deities missions are selected. There's more to the story behind these plagues in modern time. Even the ones Created in a lab, and these deities have free will. We don't know for certain they are all on one accord and following Enlil's instructions, because they haven't in the past. So, different nations warring with each other are working together, could really be the inner workings of these deities behind the scenes, and we're all just falling in line from the top down. Like I said, pay attention. Remember, Enlil is unwavering and resolute in his reactions
0: to the bad actions of mankind. So his laws come off a bit harsh, strict, and very disproportionate when it comes to the punishments. As in, there's no conscience behind it and everything is very much black and white with him without any gray area when it comes to Enlil. But Enki thrives in that gray area. So the New Testament, in my opinion, is the story of Enki, a more compassionate and God who believes in redemption chances and change once again stepping in as an intermediary to try to steer mankind the right way before Enlil executes his wrath on those not following his rules as he did before with the flood if you notice Enki always steps in before the times of all hell breaking loose comes the new testament starts with the story of Yeshua the redeemer the savior but ends with revelation which is mankind's inevitable fate to face punishment and the wrath of God because mankind as a whole has Transgress against them. God in this case is referring to the part of the triad that is Anu and Enlil or just Enlil. Just like Enki stepped in prior to our total annihilation last time, Yeshua steps in prior to our total annihilation in the New Testament. Like I said, the New Testament starts with the Savior story, ends with total wrath, complete annihilation. He always tries to save us and we never listen as a whole though. This time Yeshua slash Enki steps in basically saying through me, Enlil and Anu will forgive you. I am the last draw; otherwise you are doomed. He bought us time. Just like last time when Atrahasis was working with Enki and they bought us time. Once again, Enki comes down and basically tells us, stop worshipping all these other gods. You are making a little pissed again. Only worship him or there will be consequences. And our souls are most likely energy. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So basically the threat Yeshua was conveying to us was, after your flesh wears out and dies, if you don't listen to me, your energy, your soul, which is your True form will be sent somewhere not so nice instead of going through ascension. As stated before, though, Anu and Lil and Enki are the first God body triad. From them, every other triad stems. These three are at the core of every religion and belief system, rather old or new. Rather, they are called the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, Geb, Set, and Horus, Kronos, Zeus, and Hades, Yahweh, Lucifer, and Michael, the Sun God, Venus, and Jupiter, Hell, Heaven, and Earth. Photons, neutrons, and electrons, you name it. This triad is there with Anu always being depicted as the patriarch or sky father, heavenly father, or the neutral force. And then Enlil being depicted as the protagonist, the all-powerful, who has extremist, brash ways that are always justified due to his all-powerful nature. But sometimes he has character flaws, like Zeus has character flaws. Then there's Enki, who's always depicted as the villain, the traitor, the negative force, and sometimes he's the intermediary. All you have to do is look at each of their abilities and their domains and you will find their parallels all throughout the world's religions and spiritualities. This whole thing brings a new meaning to who the us and our is in Genesis 1 26 where it says and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness. There is a saying though that any God that is all good is not all powerful and any God that is all powerful cannot be all good. Balance. By the way the main Mesopotamian and Babylonian creation stories I reference from here and order are called the Genesis and the enuma elish oldest if not the oldest creation and flood stories in the world and don't dismiss these legends because they predate genesis and actually influence genesis and everything else here that age-old question of what if god is the devil and the devil is god starts coming to mind and making you feel some type of wrong way doesn't it i am not spreading this information for people to denounce their religion however this is just to explain the full scope of all these religions and spiritual because we are not afforded that privilege these days due to mankind's manipulation of this information to appeal to Enlil. I do understand a lot of people will have issues digesting or even beginning to accept this information as it is typically not an easy process for people to receive evidence or news that everything they stand for and believe in is not all they thought it was. Also you can get this information over on my podcast Tish Ali which is now available on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts and many more. Check the link down below in the description bar for more thank you for more discussions of conspiracy theories or odd and unusual things that happen on this planet or in outer space or anywhere please like comment and subscribe i will not let you down also what are some conspiracy theories you would like for me to talk about because i've heard a lot but obviously i haven't heard them all please comment down below and let me know